Hey, it's Tommy G here. Welcome to episode 107 of Tommy G Talks. This one is another recording uh, taken straight from a live Bunker Talk broadcast that I did earlier in the week. Now, if you haven't yet joined us for a live Bunker Talk session, then do make sure you follow me on my Facebook page, which is Facebook forward slash Tommy Gentleman Coaching. That is where the lives take place once a week. And because of my kids and the schedule that we're all on it does vary so can't pin down exact time but uh get involved in the conversation i would love to know what's life like for you right now what sort of challenges are you facing during the pandemic and how are you coping what are you doing to help your mental well-being and to make sure that you pull through this um in this particular episode i mean this was the best one so far and i know that from the comments that i've received and the messages that i've received from people expressing their gratitude for the bunk talk session these talks really do help and my objective for sharing it on my podcast is that it can help you too okay that's why we're doing this. Now, in this one, we went pretty deep into um, how we all feel about the social distancing and the lockdown measures. We talked about that. We also, we, all, we also paused to give ourselves a little bit of credit for making it this far. You know, at the point of recording this, we're, we're six, nearly seven weeks into this thing in the UK. Uh, and, and worldwide, it's pretty much the same for all of us, I think. Um, so we did that. We also talked about the stats and in particular, you know, the, the, the worst one, which is the death toll. And we talked about you know, what it's like trying to process those numbers every day, which is the reality of the situation that we're all in here. And it's terrible. It's devastating. Um, it's out of our control, but it doesn't take away the fact that it's extremely difficult to get your head around, extremely difficult to take. And obviously, if you've been directly affected by uh, COVID-19, someone close to you has passed away, then that is, you know, the worst thing. And my heart goes out to every single person who has been affected. And if you have then you you must listen to this because I know that it will help you. We also talked about the importance of patience and how the virus is teaching us to be more patient. And we heard from some people from different countries. We had people from Russia, from the USA, from Sweden, and of course, from here in the UK. So I just want to give a shout out to everyone that was involved in this, and I'd love you to be involved next time. Remember to go to my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Tommy Gentleman Coaching. Go like the page and look out for the Bunker Talk sessions uh, once a week, probably on a Tuesday but stay tuned. Um, thanks for being here. Would love to know what you think of this episode. It's quite a long one. So tune in, you know, relax, kick back, have a listen, and just reflect on a couple of the points that we raise in this one. Thanks for being here. Let's get stuck in. This is all about a forum, if you like, or a place, a broadcast, where we can talk about some of the things that we're going through right now that we might feel like we're the only ones in the world that are feeling. Now, the reason I know this is because before the lockdown, it was extremely common with a lot of the clients and groups that I'm working with and have worked with. A lot of the time, we think we're the odd ones out. A lot of the time we feel like we're the ones that haven't got it together, that we're the ones that are getting it wrong. And what we do is we tend to protect ourselves by not sharing that with anyone, 
because we don't want to become vulnerable and we don't want to put ourselves into that position there where we show that weakness. And so we end up spiraling downwards into a worse place. And in particular, which is topical for today's um, talking point, our mental health uh, declines because we beat ourselves up and we feel like we're the one that's getting it wrong, right? And uh, Bunker Talk helps you to understand that you're not alone. If we only have one person share their thoughts, feelings, experiences tonight uh, on this particular broadcast, then that's okay with me because that means that more people are going to see what that one person shares. And there will be someone, I know this because of the messages that I get, there will be someone out there who watches and thinks, do you know what? I'm not the odd one out. I'm not the only person that's feeling that. And, and it might just help somebody. And we don't know what that might mean to someone. So I invite you to be honest and express yourself and share. Uh, so with that, I would like to know where you're from and uh, or where you're tuning in from and what it is that you've been up to. I'm just going to move this out of the way here so we can see the comments. So hello from Moscow or Moscow. Um, I call it Moscow, but I think it's more Moscow. Um, do let me know. Angelina, it's good to have you in the house again on Instagram. Dan is here on Facebook. Hello, Dan. How are you? How's it been? How's your, how have you been? Another week has gone. Can you believe it? Um, Dan's tuned into every single one of these bunker talks. So thank you, Dan, for your commitment to the cause. Let me know what's new. Um, today, we're going to be discussing a couple of things. Before we do that, let's have a look at our first item on our bunker talk agenda. It is who deserves your appreciation? Every week we talk about um, who deserves our appreciation this week. And so what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to share um, who it is that deserves your appreciation this week, whether it's a shout out to our key workers, our frontline workers in the NHS and social care, whether it's a shout out to a family member, whether it's someone or uh, people who you really think deserve the credit like personally for me, uh, it's people working in supermarkets and in shops that are helping to keep things moving. And, you know, that supply chain of food, if that was to disappear, things would get a whole lot worse. Right. So those guys are also, in a way, putting themselves at risk every day. And we talked about this in, in great detail last week because they are interacting and coming across so many people at the shops. And not everyone is as good at adhering to the social distancing, whether it's uh, fault of their own or not. Um, so these people who are working in supermarkets, you know, it's, they deserve a lot of credit. And so they get my shout out again today. Um, Gary's in the house watching from Facebook. Hi, I'm watching from work. Gary, thanks for sending across how work is for you at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great that you're, you and your colleagues are doing such great work in this time uh, to keep things moving forwards and help people that, are, you know, need looking after and need extra care right now. Um, so we know that every Thursday here in the UK, we step outside at 8 PM and we give a round of applause to uh, everyone who works in care. And um, I've been outside. I think every time apart from one, I was able to get out there and every, every week it's just a little bit more. Um, you feel, you can just feel the emotion just, it's just growing a bit more every time. And, uh, last time I was there, I was, uh, I was just reflecting on, 
you know, that number that's growing every day. Um, and of course, the, the most important thing about this um, period of our lives, this challenging time, is that we're able to stay safe and we want our loved ones, people who we care about, to remain safe and for the virus not to, not to get, um, get hold of, of the people that we care about, right? Um, so that number is increasing and, of course, it will increase. Um, countries around the world, some countries have managed to stop that that number, the death toll and the spread of the virus even. I've got family in New Zealand and they're celebrating the fact that they've had a few days now without any uh, extra cases um, of the virus, which is great. I mean, it's a much smaller island than the UK, but it just shows that it can be done. So there's a lot there's a lot of um, hope out there and we've got to kind of keep spreading that, I suppose. So let's have a look at some of these comments here. I'm just going to move my friends on Instagram over slightly so I can see Okay, Sarah. Sarah says, uh, Winton School have been great. So Winton School was a local school to Sarah and I, where we live here uh, in Hampshire, in Andover in Hampshire. Winton School have been great. Daily information and contact from the school to help with education for our children. I've heard that as well. And if you're watching this and you've got kids and they're in school, how has it been? I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that my kids are almost uh, Lincoln's three and a half, but they're 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 young so we're not we're not homeschooling them to a curriculum as such you know um but what's that like how are you getting on if you're homeschooling your kids i mean come on we're six weeks in here it's not like you've been doing it for a week or two this is over it's a month and a half nearly how does it feel is it getting easier is it getting harder like I can imagine there are a lot of parents that are finding it difficult and maybe they find it difficult on an academic level because, man, some of those questions, even like the early years in school, are quite hard. I'm not afraid to admit it. I've seen some of the work that um, friends of mine are doing with their kids. It's pretty high-tech stuff. Um, but also, you know, we can feel a bit guilty if we have to balance a few things up. You know, maybe we're working from home as well and homeschooling the kids. So if you are, let me know and share what that's like for you, because there'll be somebody you can guarantee there'll be somebody watching or listening that is in that same boat and is maybe not feeling as good as you are and could do with a little bit of extra support around that. Um, so let's see. Let's have a look. Uh, Dan, I've been looking after my daughter and I get my first overnight stay at mine with her. I've switched um, switched off the worry and focus on keeping myself busy. So Dan shared previously on a bunker talk that uh, he has uh, his daughter who uh, lives with him sometimes, stays with him sometimes and lives, lives with his previous partner, um, her mother, obviously. And uh, that must be extremely challenging when all you want to do is, is care for her and see her. And so when you have that time, it must be really uh, amazing just to be spending that time with your daughter. So, um, mate, I'm, I'm over the moon for you that you're going to have that, that experience there. And I guess it's, um, it's difficult for parents who don't live together and aren't together anymore. Um, because there's that logistical element to things as well. And, you know, it's very confusing for these kids too. Uh, we've had a few tantrums, as I mentioned, my son's three and a half, but he'll occasionally get really angry and then he'll just come out with something really random to do with the lockdown. You know, like the other day 
he uh he got a bit grumpy and a bit angry and he just sat down and he was like i don't want to go anywhere when the coronavirus is finished and we were just like well no one was actually talking about that buddy but uh sure fine <laughs> but it's it's having you know it's playing um on on our kids because they don't understand things like we do and they don't know their full scale of emotion so when they feel like they're off center they start acting strange and that's because they don't understand what it is that's causing them to feel like that um very important that we're explaining as much as we can to these children um to make sure that they don't have I mean, like, don't get me wrong, parenting in an ideal world is terribly difficult in terms of avoiding emotional triggers later in life. It's almost impossible to get that 100%. Um, we've got to do our best, right? But in these situations, these circumstances now, there are a lot of risk factors and a lot of potential triggers, emotional triggers that our children will have later in life because we build our awareness, our understanding of the world on an emotional level between the ages of zero and seven. So younger children right now that had an idea of what reality looked and felt like, and now that's changed, are also seeing their parents changing very drastically from moment to moment. This can have an effect on them later life. Um, so like, don't put too much pressure on yourself as a parent. It's hard. But be aware of it. Because if there is an action that you can control that is blatantly obvious, like getting angry, like showing that anger, being snappy with them for no fault of their own because you've heard something on the news or looked at your social media and it's triggered you from something you had in earlier life, right? It's kind of strange is how it all goes around. But we pass these drama patterns onto our children if we're not careful. And so we have to understand that. And be consciously aware of it, because if, when we become consciously aware of it, we're able to break that natural passing on of that insecurity, that drama, um, and we help them understand by explaining things to them. Um, you might not get the response you want, but you've got to give it your best shot. Um, that's what it's about for me, parenting. But Dan, thank you for sharing that. Um, I've had a few comments uh, coming through here, so thank you. Angelina has uh, joined us here on Facebook. Greetings from... I'm going to say it again, Moscow in Russia. Everything happens much worse than in many countries. And most of all, I worry about people in general. I suffered from all sides, uh, work, business, and now I concentrate on my, my fitness, my sports and my studies. Uh, yeah, great stuff. There it is there for you guys to see. So um, we, we've mentioned before, one of the best things to do right now, if you cannot do the things that you were doing, is to think about what it is you can do that will improve your physical, mental, or emotional well-being. There will be stuff that you can do, whether it's your exercise, eating healthy, whether it's learning, whether it's broadening your horizon on a particular topic of interest, whether it's reaching out and speaking to people, making contact with people that you haven't spoken to for a while, and learning a bit more and asking better questions within yourself to understand yourself more and raise your levels of social um, so, and self-awareness, there's always something that you can do to help move things forwards for you. So uh, thanks for sharing that, Angelina. You're doing great. Uh, you're all doing great. Everyone's doing great. Come on, this is weird. This is strange. Six weeks. I think we're all doing great. I think we should all give ourselves a round of applause. You know, it's... Uh, if you had said to us before all of this, hey, how do you feel about doing six weeks 
you can't do anything that you enjoy doing that's outside of your own house. And you're also not going to be able to do all these things that you like doing. Um, you'd be like, nah, no, that's not, that's just not going to be good. But here we are, we're here and we're doing our best. And so I think everyone deserves a round of applause for that. Um, Sana, good to hear from you. Good to see you live in Sweden. We've got a global audience once again here. We've got people in Russia, Sweden, and the UK, um, Stockholm. And we have not had any lockdown, but have had restrictions, and we listen to the government. So, Sana, it would be great to sort of know what you um, what you think about that in terms of the comparison, because there's obviously more to it than, than that. As you say, you listen to the government. So, like, what's the biggest difference then from what you can see and what you can hear and the things that you gather from what's going on in, over in the UK, what are the biggest uh, differences in comparison? Just be interesting to understand. I'm someone who watches the um, daily announcements, the press conferences every day without fail. I like to go straight to source to get my information. I don't like to rely on media companies or people's um um statuses on social media to get my information i prefer to go straight to source make sense of it myself and so it'd be interesting to know because one thing i'd like for bunker talk is for us to be able to talk about these things and discuss it um with no other no agenda other than just to help understand things so i think it would really help if we knew you know what's it like over there in sweden and what are the main differences in comparison gary uh, he's saying to Dan, enjoy your time together. I love that. There's two of our Bunker Talk regulars there, Dan and Gary, you two. Uh, thanks for tuning in every week. It's amazing that you're here again. I really appreciate it. And I hope that it's serving you and you're getting something out of this. Um, but Dan and Gary here, Dan's uh, shared his story with us about his daughter. And Gary's saying, enjoy your time together. I love it. Angelina. Back again, I have no children, but I have friends and I know how difficult it is. I help my friends with English and Russian for free on Skype. When their parents work, their children call me. We do homework and talk about their interests, toys, and there we go. Uh, and now I learn a lot of new heroes. I like it. So like what superheroes and stuff that they that they play with, like their toys. So that's really cool. So Angelina is, is over in Russia. She She's um, someone who helps to teach English language to um, people who want to learn English over in Russia. And she doesn't have children, but she is getting on Skype with the kids of her friends to help them learn English. Wow, that's such a nice thing to do. And I, I mean, as a parent who's got like kids here, and I'm sure anyone who's watching who has kids, like, whenever I've been able to like set up FaceTime, for like my kids to have a little bit of a natter with with their grandparents uh, with my mum and dad especially um they it, oh, it just feels good to just take that pressure off as a parent to not have to for that small 20 minute window not have to think about look like ways to entertain them or like them saying that they need to eat again because it's like he just eats all the time i think it's just getting bored now so uh it's nice to take that pressure off. So I'm sure that you're really helping with your, with your, with your friends there, Angelina. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Stephen, how's it going, Stephen? Stephen uh, spoke to me a few weeks ago after the first bunker talk. And he, um, forgive, forgive me if I, if I don't get this right, Stephen, I, I believe you are a, a hotel manager. 
And so I've referred to you a couple of times, but you're the guy who is still there running the hotel, managing staff, uh, dealing with the anxious environment of transmission of the disease, obviously, but also the stress and the whole like logistical side of things at the moment. And I believe that the hotel you're working at is helping to look after frontline workers, which is amazing. Uh, but stop me if I'm mistaken there. I think that's you. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, my memory might have just failed me slightly, but just fill in any gaps there, Stephen, if you're still watching. Um, but hey, listen, this kind of thing is happening. Hotels are still working. Um, frontline workers are almost living their own reality at the moment, their own bubble, their own world. Um, almost like they are on the motorway and we're kind of sat in the services, you know, not moving, not going anywhere, but they're still very much out there, very much moving. And it must be strange. I mean, I don't know. What's it like if you're working, if you're a frontline worker right now? What is it like knowing that there's a, a lot of people that are just still static, just doing, you know, very little, and you're doing everything you can at 100 miles an hour? I'm, I mean, I'm sure it would be a, an empowering thought, but there might also be a, a tag-along thought of, man, like they've got no idea. Like people like me who are sat here in my garage have no idea what it's like to be out there every day, to still be getting up every morning, to have this invisible threat everywhere that you go. What's it like? Share it. If you're a frontline, if you're any kind of key worker right now, how do you feel going out there at the moment? Uh, Sana's come back. Let's go. Let's do this. We take the restrictions seriously. I watch the news at least three times a day. Everything is open with restrictions, and I think that will help the economy here. A small business owner like myself, it's hard, but I follow the health office and the WHO recommendations. So um, what's the news like out there in Sweden? Because there was a lot of debate last time on Bunker Talk about people uh, not watching the news here because they, they just don't like the way it makes them feel. Um, they don't know who to trust, etc. So what's it like in Sweden? Do you feel like you can trust your, your news outlets? Do they, do you believe they have like, you know, your best interests at heart, that there are no hidden agendas um, without going down the rabbit hole here? I think that if people here in the UK were to take that advice and watch the news three times a day, they would know more about what was going on, but would they feel um, more anxious and that's an interesting one because a lot of people, and I'm only saying this based on the data that I have, which is from last time, a lot of people were very unsure about watching the news. A lot of people were just kind of keeping out of it. But then maybe that's one of the reasons why there are more problems uh, seemingly here than, than in Sweden. Let's see. Um, thank you. And I see that you've just replied, so I'm going to go straight to you there and show that. Here we go. Yes, we can trust the specialists. Well, yeah, um, there's one one or two people on the UK um, daily announcements that that I think are very raw, um, very uh, trustworthy. I think uh, Chris Whitty is one of them. And I think that the um, the lady, uh, her, her name escapes me, the Irish lady, I believe she is also extremely raw in the way that she delivers her information. And... Um, uh, the guy with the three names, Jonathan Van 
Tam, I think his name is, another great uh, example of just giving very clear uh, facts and, and advice, which is what we need. Um, just seen uh, a comment on this here on Instagram from Bianca. Hi, Bianca. How are you? Hi, everyone on Instagram. Haven't forgotten about you. Um, I would definitely feel more anxious if I watched the news that much uh, in the beginning. However, I am okay with it now, now that there is more good news. Yeah, like there's a bit of a turn going on and let's hope or all I'm going to say on that as someone who's hypersensitive to body language, hypersensitive to um, the way that things are said and the order of things play out and also knowing because of watching every day and just being in the loop with the data and looking at other countries. By the way, I'm no scientist or politician, just a guy uh, like just like you, a guy or a girl who who is interested and cares about this, I really hope that the good news is real and that it's not just um, setting us up for some more bad news. And I, I really don't want to be negative. I really want to stay positive about this because that's my natural position. However, I have to bring an opinion to the mix here, which is with Boris Johnson coming back last week, with we are now through the curve with lots of seemingly talking about going back and good news and da, da, da. I hope that it's not a way to dampen the announcement at the end of this week, which possibly could, could be that we're going to be in lockdown for another three weeks. Because my opinion, and again, I'm just a fella, not a scientist, not a politician, just a fella with, a, with one of these microphones, which I guess qualifies me. <laughs> I'm only joking. But my opinion is if you're going to give someone tough news um just fucking give them the tough news and uh, by the way i don't know what's going to happen but if it gets to it because they're making an announcement on lockdown in the uk at the end of this week if it gets to it and they say we're going to have to stay in this for another three weeks then you know that is what it is isn't it that is what it is but i'd feel more comfortable if if there were if there weren't a um a shit sandwich going on, you know, I don't know whether that's because they think that's what people need as their best interests or not. Um, but let's just hope that it is going to remain as good news because it does feel like there's a transition happening here in the UK, which is obviously welcome. Um, but thanks for Bianca for that point. Really, uh, really interesting one there. I, I guess like I speak, I spoke to somebody about this the other day and they were talking about, the fact that they might keep their kids homeschooled until they know that it's safe, right? Now, please do let me know where your position is on this if you have children and, and you are um, thinking about keeping them out of school. I don't want to get anyone in any trouble here, but if that's you, just maybe share how you feel about that. But what I said the other day when my friend told me this, I said to him, if there was a lion on the loose and that was the threat that we were dealing with and there was this big like lion, this beast, and it was just eating people and it was dangerous and we were like, right, there's this massive lion out there. Here's what we've got to do about it. We've got to go and stay in our houses. We need to go into lockdown and we need to stay indoors because it's dangerous out there. If we go outside, you might get eaten by the lion." Right now, we would understand that threat. Of course, we would understand that danger. And of course, we would stay inside. 
But then what if after five, six, seven weeks, eight weeks, someone said, you know what? We, uh, we haven't seen the lion around very much recently. So, so I'll tell you what, let, send the kids out. <laughs> send the kids to school and let's just see what happens. I mean, the point is the lion is still out there. And until we know the lion is no longer there, we do not know if we are safe. And I don't mean to be putting bad news on this again and negative points of view, but, and I get it. Like I understand why it needs to move forward. I understand that. But from a danger, simply from a threatened danger point of view, which is the whole reason why we're in isolation, the whole reason why we're in lockdown is to stop the, the, the speed, right? But the danger, the threat's still there until we know it isn't, it's still there. So as a parent, where does it stand with you? Because your responsibility is to keep your children safe. Now, of course, you need to work and they need to learn and everything else. But does this just extend the philosophy of short-term sacrifice? If it is a case of a few more weeks or even a couple of months of homeschooling to ensure safety, are you willing to take that play? Are you willing to take that? Or are you willing to take that risk? I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I would do. My kids aren't old enough. They don't go to school. I have one child who goes to nursery, but that's a little bit more flexible. Um, but what about you? It's an interesting one, isn't it? A few more comments come through here on Facebook. Um, Stephen. Oh, Sana, let's, I've left your comment on the screen for ages, so we might as well resolve it. Um, you guys should listen to our specialists. Yes, yeah, so there you go. Tune in to the, uh, the Sweden News um stockholm central and get get the uh the information from the specialists over there because it seems to be uh working for the for, the, for you guys and girls which is great news of course Stephen, i watch the daily update to keep up to date and try not to watch the news as much i think one of the problems is uh thanks Stephen, with um the uk media and a lot of the media is there are always other it's almost like we have to make sure that people come and hear the news from us. So how can we make it more dramatic? How can we make it more fearful? Um, how can we bring a different twist and different approach to the tale, to the story? Um, and you just can't beat going to source, which is watching the announcements and the press conferences and then figuring out how you feel about it first before you're influenced by anyone else's point of view. And that includes friends and family. I think it's important to, to have your own freedom of thinking with this. Um, there's a leadership gap in all of our lives. And, you know, the politicians tell us the rules and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. But then as that gets further down towards your house, um, so it goes through, through the country, even from the UK to whether you're in England, Scotland, Ireland, like or Northern Ireland, obviously, uh, I said Ireland and Northern Ireland. Let's just include everyone. We're all here together. Wales, Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, or England. Um, whether you're in that whatever country, and then what region, and then what community, and then what what job you have, and then what street, and then the age of your kids. Like all of these things. Like the further down you go, and the closer you get to you, there are going to be gaps, and those gaps need to be filled with your own judgment your own ability to approach leadership to your people, your own um, uh, calling your own shots on what you believe to be the right thing to do. And it's those moments of using common sense and your education and your awareness, 
you don't need to be clouded by other people's twisted agendas in those situations. You need to be thinking clearly. And that's why it's a good thing to do um, is to go straight to source with it. Dan, I think people will uh, be more worried watching the news over and over again and don't like the TV putting the number of deaths on the screen all the time. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, um, you cannot, like, every time it comes on, I look at, I look at my wife cause we, we actually, cause we eat at five o'clock and the first couple of, uh, weeks we were listening to the press conferences while, while we're eating dinner. And it's just a bit like a bit, bit negative, you know? Um, so what we do is we put, uh, an, an ear thingy in one each and we listen to it so the kids don't hear it. And, uh, whenever they, whenever they're telling us the, the numbers, we just sort of look at each other and we're like, yeah, because that's, it's, it's chilling, isn't it? It's, it's chilling. I mean, any, anyone losing their life is chilling. Um, and it's, it's devastating, obviously. And there's that element of it. But then what happens is that it slips through into a, a filter for me, which is that that cannot be controlled. And so we have to understand that it's, um, it's just a part of, it's a, it's a necessary part of us knowing what's going on. And I guess we can use that to really understand how important it is for us to do what we need to do and for us to feel grateful for the things that we can, can do and the people that are in our lives. Uh, um, I've said it before and many, many times in my, even in my TEDx talk, how death is contrast for us to life. And when we're around death, we tend to appreciate life more. Um, we only really know the brightness of a light until we know how dark something is. Um, so we can use that on a very micro level, unless of course it is hitting you personally to, uh, to understand what we can feel grateful about and how we can embrace the simple things and the simple, uh, pleasures that we have and the people in our lives to appreciate them more because I'm pretty sure that none of those just short at the moment of 30,000 people who have passed away in the UK, I'm pretty sure none of those expected, uh, expected this to happen two months ago and they were just living their lives just like we are right now. Um, so that does bring us contrast and we can, we can tap into that. We can, we can embrace that, that it's, that it's important that we do what we're meant to do and that we stay patient really is important that we stay patient and that we can make sure that we're not in isolation emotionally, only physically and, and appreciate things, you know, um, I'm catching up on comments. So thank you guys for your comments over on Facebook. So, uh, Angela, you must have just chipped in with this comment here just before I said it. I used a different word than you, but uh, you said, I think the technical term is a poo sandwich. And I agree and have felt the same. Uh, Sana, back again. The COVID-19 is new. It will take two weeks of loosening restrictions and see what happens, then two weeks to see the effect of it. Yep. It's slow, isn't it? Like the, the effect of the virus is it's slow, but I mean, that's just... It is what it is, right? There's nothing I can do or say that can change the speed of how this virus behaves. But I'll tell you one thing. For teaching us to be patient, it's pretty, it's pretty effective, isn't it? Because we have to wait. We have to wait to know if we've got it. We have to wait to know if it's been transmitted. We have to wait to know if it's going to get worse. We have to wait to know how long we're going to get better. Then we have to wait to know how long it's going to be around for and how 
how much longer we need to wait for us to go back to how we want to live. We were extremely, I say we, you know, people, um, I'm, a, I'm a person, you're a person, we're all, we're all in this together. I don't like using that sort of, oh, people do this and people do that because I'm a, one of those people too. I'm a person as well, right? So who am I to say anything about what anyone does? But we weren't very patient before all of this. Everything's conditioned us to become impatient. When we want something, we want it now. We're used to getting things very, very quickly. And this is disrupting that. And so the only way that we can accept it is to be patient and to be able to understand that things are going to take time for us to figure it out and for us to be safe and to get ultimately what we want. Um, and that's a good lesson. And it slows down the speed of impatience because impatience is, is getting, is getting faster and stronger every generation. So having this, this whole need to be patient will help put a stop to the speed that that was growing. And our children, us, we will learn the importance of patience, hopefully. You know, like the kids, my kids, if, 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 they, want a, um, if they want a song on, then they're like, I want, it, I want to listen to that song. They, they, they just tell Alexa, Alexa, I want, to, I want to listen to Let It Go, you know, again, for the 30th time in the last hour. Okay. Is that even possible? But when, and I don't want to sound old or condescending to anyone here, but when, I mean, I'm 32 this month, when I was younger, if I wanted to listen to my favorite song, I would be in the car and I'd hope that it would come on, on the journey. Or I would like have to wait for it to be released as a CD and go into town and buy it. Or I would sit there and record it on my tape player when it came on the radio at random. And that's just a very small and very simple and ineffective almost example, but it's conditioning. And this is the point I'm making. Everything that we are living through before all of this was fast, like food. I want it. There it is. I want this item. Boom. Next day delivery. There it is. I want to have like, I want to go over this place here. I want to go this place. I want to do that thing. Bang, bang, done very quickly. And the conditioning of that every day for the last probably 15 years has caused a complete change in our level of patience, what we're willing to wait for and what we're willing to, um, to be patient for. So if we can learn that from this, that's going to help us all. Um, Stephen's hoping for a phased plan of action coming out. Um, having a date in mind, similar to what Ireland has done. Uh, talking about the lion, Dan, I worry about the lion dealing with kids being stuck in a house for so long. Yeah. Yeah, it's the other side of it, you know, and 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 that goes back to being patient. Do we need to be more patient and just wait even longer and be able to do that as a short-term sacrifice to avoid the ultimate sacrifice? what it's about maybe um i think put lives before the economy and i know it's easier said than done yeah it is easier said than done but like you take away everything that someone has and they're still alive they've still got the the, the air in their lungs that means they've still got options and they've still got choices and if you take that away you don't have anything else so you could the economy is is very important for our future not not like the immediate economy but 
five, ten years time, the, the, the kids that we that we see now in the schools being homeschooled, um, their jobs, what they end up doing, what opportunities they have for the future, what living conditions they have, this is all stuff that's happening now um, with the economy could threaten in the future. You know, potentially a disruption there would make it harder for it to be easier potentially i mean all signs would point that way um of course we don't know i don't know i'm not an economist or i'm just a fellow in a garage but i would um say the economy is very very important but it's not as important as health we aren't in government we can't make these decisions we can only talk about them that's what bunker talk is about um but their job is to weigh up the risk long term and they will know that and they have to and it sounds awful but they have to be able to differentiate between short term and long term that's just the way it is for politicians why they do the job they do um they have to be able to see it like that you know it's, it's not for for me or or you unless you are one to have a an, a, an important opinion on that um Sarah, good that you're still here. I don't know how I feel about sending them back to school. I think it'll be done slowly, not fully back until September. We can't stay locked away forever. Yeah, I mean, the summer holidays are only a couple of months away. Can we push things closer to that? Is that what's going to happen? Are they going to do um, a couple of days a week? I don't know. Like, they've already called off the exams, haven't they? And they did that pretty early on because they knew it would be very disruptive and the expectation and stress and everything would just be chaotic. So what is there to go back to other than normality, structure, a higher level of education? Maybe, I mean, some homeschooling is arguably going to give them more. Um, but again, if the lion is out there, is it worth it? Um, Rhonda, good to have you here, Rhonda. Oh, I missed, a, I missed a comment earlier from Michelle. Michelle, I'm really sorry. Michelle... Uh, from Indiana. It's awesome to have you here, Michelle. Got stuck in quarantine with an estranged husband. We're on okay terms, but I was beyond ready to move out. My kids, 17 and 11, had accepted and adjusted to the weekends uh, that I stayed at my grandmother's before the lockdown. And then we're over here again, um, where I'm moving to eventually in the same town. Obviously couldn't put her health at risk for my comfort. I mean, that's a hard thing to do, Michelle. So credit to you for doing that. That must be terribly difficult, but it's the right thing to do. The frustration I've had at not having my own space and not being able to move on has been challenging. Not to dump onto my kids, yeah. I'm currently in my junior year of college trying to become a teacher. So yeah, stressful. I'm trying to concentrate on my education, trying to prove structure, trying to provide structure for my kids and I'm working out to try and stay positive and keep the negativity low. My kids don't deserve to have to deal with my problems and everything else going on in the world. I mean, your attitude is admirable, Michelle. Um, and this is exactly what the, we have to do as parents is we have to put our, our kids first and we have to give them the energy and the space and the time that they need to feel safe and secure and to put our own needs second to that in some cases including i mean man like you were you were ready to move out 
and you had everything ready, but you've done what you have to do, which is the safest way at the moment for you to look after your, your family. And, and you know that you'll get your time and you'll, you'll be patient now for the joy and the happiness and the freedom that you'll feel later. Um, less people were going to suffer by um, us being able to think more about others and be less selfish and be able to make things work as well as we can. So thank you for sharing that, Michelle. I uh, apologize for not seeing it before. Um, and I'm really glad that you shared that with us because there may be other people out there who are in a similar position where they're in a house with a partner that they, they don't want to be with um, and they have to do what they have to do, you know. Strange old life we're living at the moment. Um, thank you so much, Michelle. Rhonda, here in South Carolina, kids will not go back until next year, but I'd rather have my child at home than out where the lion is. But I do think it's hyped by the news. How how do you feel about the news? I mean, over in the US, uh, what we've been given in our news feed it's just like a lot of sort of uncertainty with different states taking different approaches and different levels of outbreak and Donald Trump being or the, the president uh, being um, very foolish with some advice that he was giving about disinfectant. All right. Now, I don't know if anyone else see, saw that. I'm sure if you're in the US, you saw it. But here in the UK, anyone else watched the, the clips of Donald Trump saying that, that he should he was I'm just going to say what I saw. I saw a guy thinking out loud and didn't really like think before he spoke. I didn't see a guy saying drink disinfectant. Um, you know, you're, you're an idiot. If you drink disinfectant, full stop, I think, sorry, like, but read the label on the bottle, Right. Like, that's like if someone walked up to you in the street and said, hey, drink bleach. Well, first of all, they wouldn't walk, walk up to you in the street right now. But uh, would you do it? It's like that old thing, you know, your mum used to say, oh, if, if, he, if he jumped off a bridge, would you do it? If he, if he jumped out a window, would you do it too? Um, the, well, actually, no one did it. Someone just said it. Now, obviously, he has a position of authority, and that is why he should know better. That is why he should not do that. That's why that is stupid, right? But come on, people. We gotta, we gotta make our own sense, and we're trying to make sense of whether we should send our kids back to school or not. We should not have to make sense of whether we should drink disinfectant or not, you know. And and I think that if anyone did, then it was probably because they were dying and they just thought, "Fuck it, I've got no choice. It might work." I don't know. I don't. I don't know, and I probably shouldn't go down this road if I'm honest. Um, but uh, what what is uh, what is your point of view, Rhonda, being over there in the US? How do you feel about your your president and what he said there? Um, Sana is back here with another comment Swedish elderly in their 70s walking around grocery shops they don't seem to care do you think that's a good thing or not let me know it's hard to sort of tell whether you think that's good or not um, because if someone from the UK said that they would be implying that they're they're wrong to do that and putting themselves at extreme risk Gary been watching the uh Oh, here we go. We've got a comment from Dan on the screen. It's two sides of the coin. Worry um, about the virus and worry about job safety in the near future. Yep. 
that's the prime example of the the micro stuff that's going on and the macro bigger picture stuff you you can't compare dying and someone you care about dying with a job as easy as that sounds i know you know that but that's why that's why it's hard that's why it's difficult to and that's why we're going to debate this that's why we're going to talk about it because of course we need a job to provide to be secure to be safe we need to be safe but the reason why we're doing this is because we we care that we don't want to cause people to die um which is why it's just nuts and, and it's also why it's great to have the technological digital age that we have to be able to talk about this stuff um they won't talk about it like this on uh on the on the daily announcements that's for sure um we get the chance here this is an open forum to discuss how we feel about these things uh, thanks dan um gary i've been watching the uh the protesters in the u.s that want to go back to work so what's that about there uh ronda uh ronda said here we do so ronda wants to go back to work what's your strongest reason ronda um out of interest here and you know be completely honest here what, what is your strongest reason why you want to go back to work is it because you feel like you're safe and therefore you want to go back to work or is it that you feel um that you need to for the sake of your financial situation or or whatever like um if you don't mind sharing that it would be great to to understand they don't get the same support in the uk they don't get the same support like uk like the 80 percent. yeah okay cool so basically in the uk here we've got this um we've got a few great uh, things in place to help people. We've got a furlough system where if someone is employed, um, they, they can have 80% of their wages up to two and a half thousand pounds a month. And they can have that, um, but they're not allowed to work. So it's a way of supplementing that um, self-employed people will be getting the same in June. And then there's other reliefs and grants and stuff like that. But I understand it's a bit more difficult in the USA to do that. So I understand there's a level of severity there that we just wouldn't be able to comprehend here in the UK. Um, just notice I'm wearing my my New York uh, hoodie here. So um, I'm all, all but love for, for you guys. Just want to figure out what it is that you're going through. We're only seeing it from our point of view. That's why it's great to talk about it. We've got people from US. We've got people from Sweden. We've got people from Russia here. Um, it's pretty cool, huh? Hey, everybody on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. You're not on LinkedIn. You're on Instagram. Um hope you're well if you're watching this hope you're safe and feel free to join in the conversation i know you can't see the comments but you've got your own thread going on over here people don't have patience anymore sana yeah and uh let's have a little look here last few comments and then we'll sign off this has been a great a great episode of bunker sort the longest one yet really appreciate all of you guys for being here angelina back again from russia and she is sharing this with us i do not watch tv especially russian television there are many lies and too much stress. They make too much drama for people and it does not help people. I read general news from around the world several times a week, but also my friends from around the world tell me the news. In any case, we will know how the situation is changing. Therefore, um, I try to minimize the time spent on the news because I cannot influence it. But the news can affect my mood. And after that, uh, on the people around me and my business etc i'd rather spend time um i'd rather better spend this time for example to meet meet you in the bunker yeah it's great that you're here in the bunker and i appreciate you being here and um i just want to uh yeah i mean 
again no idea what it's like never been to i've been no never been to russia and uh i can't imagine what it would be like out there and what the news is like what the media is like but thank you so much for sharing just hope you haven't uh caused any problems by sharing that you know don't want anyone uh, knocking on my door or anything or give me a uh, you you've got to stop doing bunker talk because you're talking about the news here in russia i'm sure it'll be okay i'm sure it'll be okay um sana yes yes impatience doesn't exist anymore they get it by a click i'm 36 so i know yeah, so you were there in the time when uh, we had to wait for things, um, when we got the internet for the first time, and it, and it was like amazing. Uh, compared to now, it was so slow, and it used to make that hideous noise every time it connected, and if your mum picked the phone up, it would disconnect you from it. It was that bad. Um, but I'm massively, I'm sure you are too, massively grateful to have lived through that and to understand what it's like before all of this fast stuff i think it has just gone so quick over the last like 15 20 years hasn't it so dan back on the uh the kids here <clears throat> uh why take a risk i want to stay alive to see my kids grow uh wait till after the summer holidays see how it goes then yeah as tough as that is you know it's like today um we're talking kelly and i about some people that we know who um they that they're letting their kids see their grandparents right and this is hard to talk about because both sides of our family both kelly's parents and my parents would love nothing more nothing more than to hug our children their grandkids right now and we know people who have made it so and you know i'm not here to judge anybody on that it's it's what you feel like is your leadership gap and you've got to call that and you know, it's what it is. But uh, my personal position is that we've come this far with not. The short-term sacrifice is to hold on to the hope and the feeling of what it's going to feel like and the relief, the short-term sacrifice, holding on to that for a far greater eventuality between life, potentially life and death. And what I'm not saying is by doing that first initial action of sending child to grandparents is going to cause someone to die. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that necessarily, although scientifically it could. I'm not saying that that would be the case. But what I am saying is that action alone, does it increase or decrease the R, which is the rate of infection? It can only increase it because staying in, stops that potential transference happening if you if you're both keeping like you were for the last six weeks then that's under control that's a controlled link that does not exist right that that is not a transferable pathway but if you engage in that that has increased it because that is now a transferable pathway so if and it is an if but it is possible one of these people human beings is asymptomatic, so doesn't know that they've got the virus and transmits it, right? Because they've been shopping and someone had it in the, in the line or they touched a rail and someone had it before them who touched the rail and like, who knows? But if that link exists, then it increases the risk and that's adding to the problem. 
and we and we've come so far and as i said earlier in this rather long episode but there's still people watching so um you know thanks for being here and i really hope it's helped somehow um that you know it is a short-term sacrifice and we all deserve credit a round of applause a pat on the back a little bit of just internal consideration to how well we're doing right now because it's tough and it's weird and no one enjoys it and pretend to enjoy it and there are good things obviously there are opportunities spending time with family but even even that after a certain amount of time and you know you feel like you've got nowhere to go and you can't get away from it and it's right there all the time and it's the same thing every day it's hard you're doing great we're all doing great gotta give ourselves some credit for that and acknowledge it that was that is what's going to help us to keep going so um michelle might i add having um supportive friends are invaluable absolutely i shared something on instagram earlier we are in a physical isolation right now not an emotional one because we have technology because we can connect by video because we can send messages because we can phone people and we can express ourselves, especially if we are feeling like we're struggling. So please take that message as my passing, um, passing my parting shot on this particular episode of Punk Talk. You're not in an emotional isolation. You're in a physical isolation. And if you need support, reach out. Emotionally reach out. Not physically, because you can't do that. You're not allowed. Two meters at all times but emotionally you certainly can and that's because we're blessed to be in a digital age which makes that possible sana gary michelle dan angelina Rhonda, sarah stephen angela thank you all so much for your input tonight on this episode of Bunker Talk. I've really, really uh, enjoyed talking to you guys and I really hope that you can take something positive from this, that it can help lift your spirit somehow, that you can feel a little bit more at ease, just a bit more clear in mind about what you need to do and how you need to do it. And, and to know, uh, you know, as the ultimate end of this episode, to give yourself some credit because you're doing great. All right, keep going, stay safe and stay positive and we will go again next week um days go so fast lots happen in 24-hour windows let's hope the news remains good even if it's not we will make good of it all right thanks for being here all the best see ya